Welcome to the Campus Rush Podcast. We believe that God will speak through this word and meet you right at the point of your need. We hope that God will bless you through this message. We've been in our um, this series called Get a Grip. Get a Grip. Someone yell it out say, Get a Grip. We've been in this series and God has really been dealing with our desires. He's been dealing with our hearts. He's been dealing with our intentions. He's been dealing with our emotions. And um, one of the most difficult things that I've come to find, thank you so much, Yale. I'll call you back up in a bit. Uh, one of the most uh, difficult things I've come to find is this, is that we make, and, and it's crazy that my dad was talking about it on Sunday, is that many times we make um, uh, spiritual decisions in the realm of the soul or in the realm of the flesh. Uh, we spoke about last week, you know, I brought up uh, Nick up here, and we spoke about, for those who were here, the spirit and how the spirit desires to come out, but there are so many things that hold the spirit abound from breaking out. Somebody say, spirit break out. It is, come on, say it like a believer, yell it, say, spirit break out. It's my desire that by the time this series is done, you will be a spiritual person. You will no longer make fleshy and carnal decisions, but you will make spirit-led decisions. Spirit-led decisions are the easiest things to do. All you have to do is hear God, but we don't want to hear him because many times we don't like what he's saying because the spirit is always contrary to the flesh. So your flesh always desires to do something, but the spirit will tell you that's not the way to go. Now, we've been in this series trying to train our spiritual ears, trying to not just train our ears, but our senses, so that we can sense when God is telling us this is not the way to go, or that is the way to go, and today is no other. Many times when you do what senses, Pastor Ryan, you're dealing with feelings. We spoke about it last week, and we spoke about feelings, emotional feelings, and a spiritual, a spiritual leading of the Holy Spirit. And feelings are, are, are something that come and, and things that go. Feelings don't, don't stay forever. They, they come and they go. You may like somebody in one season, and the next season you don't want to see their face. Why? Because your feelings are up and down, sometimes with the weather, sometimes with whatever have you. But feelings flow based off of a whole bunch of things. It's like there needs to be a whole bunch of different triggers in order for you to actually feel this person or feel this thing. It's like a whole bunch of checks that need to be crossed off in order for you to feel a specific type of way. That's why when we play soul music, you feel a specific type of way. We play reggae music, dance hall. You feel any Jamaicans here, any Caribbeans here? Again, all three of you. Any Jamaicans up in here, any Caribbeans? You're from the Caribbean. Now I'm talking about my Haitians. Where are my Haitians at? Haitians here. I said Caribbeans. They didn't say anything. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> if we played some compa right now, I would see some Haitians begin to do your one, two, you know. Why? Because Sakpase. You see, because that is a specific type of feeling. You play compas, it's a different feeling. You know, you, you play soca, there's a different type of feeling when you play soca. You know, uh, some of, some of, you know, Carabana was last week. I know some people might have slipped a little one, two, but you know, the grace is sufficient. One, two, fat, you know, just. But the grace is sufficient. A carnival action, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, we play, we play some Afro beats up here. Any Africans up in here? Come on. We play some, Af we play some Afro beats here, and you'll see it. it brings out a specific type of feeling. We can always cultivate ourselves to be able to react. 
Your body is so, is so, is so crazy. Your body reacts based off of the, the environment that you're in. It brings out a behavior. Some of you guys, we put you around an area and we turn some music on and it brings out a behavior. In church, you'll never raise your hands, but in that place. Why? Because in environment, it brings about a behavior. If we want to cultivate an atmosphere of worship, it will bring out a behavior in you that is a behavior of, man, an attitude of worship, a desire for worship. And, and, and it's no different. There's these three guys in the Bible, and I'm, we're just going to use this as an introduction and see how far we go today. And uh, we'll continue next week. These, these three guys in the Bible. The first one uh, is a guy that we all know, David. Anybody know David in the Bible? David in the Bible, one of the greatest warriors of our time. He was one of the greatest musicians and he had a switch. It's so beautiful. I was talking to the men uh, some time ago and I spoke to them about the double anointing that David had. He was both a warrior as well as a worshiper. You guys remember that? We spoke about David being a warrior and also a worshiper. And, 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 and the thing about David is that he was a warrior, he was a worshiper, but David had a weakness. Someone shot weakness. We all got it. If you don't have some, I'll give me, I'll give mine to you. You can take some of mine. Everybody has weaknesses. Everybody has things that they go through, trials, tribulations, things that we endure, we go through. There was just one particular time, and we all know it's a well-known portion of scripture where David is meant to be at war. And you know the rest of the story. As he's standing on his balcony, he wakes up in the morning, he checks his text messages, texts Twitter, checks Instagram a little bit after his little prayer session. Then after he goes outside on the balcony, he's walking in, he sees a woman showering, and he says, I must have her. In that moment, he fell to his feeling. He fell to his feeling. I feel that some people in this room may not be convinced about that. And so this brings us up to another portion of scripture. And the Bible says in Judges that there was a man by the name of Samson. And he was so strong. And nobody knew the secret to his strength. And then he just begins to now move around. And all of a sudden, he feels and falls in love with somebody he shouldn't have fallen in love with. Feelings. Feelings. And, and, and the result of that was, was his loss of strength. Whenever you choose a, a, a decision or you make a decision based off a of feeling, it always has consequences. You may not see the consequences today, but the consequences will come up tomorrow. Anytime you choose a feeling-led decision, it, it never ends up in a way that you expect it. If not for God intervening in that circumstance. I know some of you, if we pass the mic around, you can tell me a situation whereby you let your feelings lead you and it got you into some trouble. But if it wasn't for God. I mean, I think all of us can attest to the fact that we were doing something, but then for God, God came into our situation and he began to shape our desires. And even in this moment, he's still shaping our desires to be more like him. You see, the last one in this scripture or in, in, this, in this portion of, of, of analysis that we're looking at is a guy in the Bible, a young boy. And this is going to be our focus scripture, a young boy. And, and, and the Bible calls him uh, uh, the younger son. And, and, and this is this, this certain son and this certain man in the Bible is found in Luke 15, 11. And, and it says this, that all of a sudden he was chilling at his dad's house. His dad had this huge, you know, this huge uh, home and he was relaxing and he was chilling. And then all of a sudden, I don't know what came upon him. He started feeling, he, he began to feel like I want to leave my dad's house. I don't know what, what came upon him. You have everything you need. You have everything you want. You have everything. There's nothing that you ask for that you don't have. 
And then all of a sudden you feel as though you want to leave your father's house. And, and so this, this, this boy begins to say, dad, now give me everything that you have. Uh, give me everything that is due me. Divide up your inheritance between me and my older brother. And I'm taking it and I'm going to make a life for myself. I'm going. The anchor scripture like this can be found in Luke 15, and I'm going to start from 11, but I'm going to give you some biblical context. If you look at it, Jesus was actually in Luke 15, if you go to verses 1, Jesus is right there in the moment talking to uh, the sinners. You know, the Bible says that Jesus was a friend of sinners. So he was talking to sinners. He was talking to prostitutes. He was talking to tax collectors. The Bible says notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus' teaching. It says tax collectors and other, other notorious sinners. So people were around listening to Jesus as he was ministering, as he was teaching, as he was preaching. Then the Bible goes on to say this, that the Sadducees, the religious people, were so upset that Jesus was even sitting down and he was eating and he was fellowshipping with the sinners that they began to stand around and question, why is he doing that? So D. Jesus now gives us three illustrations. The first illustration is about the lost sheep. You know the one that Jesus would leave the 99 for the one. You've heard that one before? You know, we sing it. There's no shadow, you won't lie down. You know, he leaves the 99 for the one. The second one we find is the woman that has 10 silver coins, but she lost one silver coin. And the Bible begins to say that if you lost one silver coin out of 10, wouldn't you look for the one? And after you found the one, wouldn't you throw a party because you found the lost coin? And then the last one illustration brings us to this illustration, and it's the illustration of the prodigal son. Uh, the Bible begins to allude and say this in Luke 11, 15 verses 11 says to illustrate the point further. So basically Jesus was kind of pissed off because they were not getting his point. So he tells them this story. He says a man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share uh, of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. Verse 13 says, a few days later, this younger son packed up all his belongings and moved into a distant land. And there he wasted all his money on wild living. Verse 14, about the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land. I want you to underline that. A great famine swept over the land. And he began to starve. Verse 15 says, he persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. Verse 16 says, the man, the young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. We're going to end right there. You look at this scripture, there's three things that are happening. Number one, the younger son is demanding a something that is not due him in a season. Many times we do that with God. We begin to demand things from God that God hasn't given us the license to operate at this very moment. We say, God, give me this. God, give me that. God, I desire this. God, I want this for my life. But God is saying, it's not that I don't have it. It's that you cannot handle it. If God was to release all your prayers and answer them right now, I'm telling you, some of you guys would not even be here. Some of you guys would think that you're so good that you can't even come and worship God. So God says, I'm going to give you a little bit today and a little bit tomorrow. That's why my mercies are new every morning. So every morning come for your daily dosage of mercy. Every morning come before me because if I was to give you everything and show you the plan today, you'd probably just go haywire. That's the first thing. And now the reason why this is so important, church, is this. Because he demanded all of his inheritance while his father was alive. That means that what? He actually wanted his father dead. If you wanted 
your father to be alive, then you wouldn't ask for your inheritance. Inheritance is only something that you get once your father has died. Second thing we are noting from this scripture is this, is that he left home, he left the home of his father, meaning that he left the presence and he left the covering. The Bible says he goes to a distant land. He goes to a place so far away that there's no way for him, for him to even come back. They don't know where he is. They don't know where he's gone. He's gone to a distant land. They don't know. So he's left the covering of a father. If you're here in this place and you don't know the importance of a covering, you need to discover the importance of a covering. Covering will save you from a lot of trouble. A covering will save you from death. A covering will save you from your ability to try to do it in your own will. A covering will allow you and give you the wisdom that you need for your next level of breakthrough. Can anybody attest to the power of a covering? Let me see by raising hands. The covering is, 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 is a spiritual playground that gives you the ability to fall and get up within the grounds of your covering. Now, what begins to happen is that if you don't value the covering and you go outside of the covering and you have no covering, that's the most dangerous place for a believer to be. It's in a position where you have nobody to correct you, nobody to speak over your life, nobody to tell you you're going off, nobody to put you in line. That is not what you want as a believer. We need accountability. And so the son says this, the son says, dad, forget about your accountability, forget about this covering, forget about this place, I want out, I don't like it. He said, listen, I'm going to be rebellious, I don't care about what my older brother wants, this is what I want, and I'm getting out of here right now in this very moment. The son takes off, and that's the second point. Number three, if you're taking points, the Bible says that as he goes to the distant land, he doesn't save his money, he doesn't invest his money, he spends his money. Now, I would understand if you're spending your money on something that you're getting in return, but it's not even like we, can, we can't see what he spent his money on. The Bible just classifies it as this wild living. It says he spent it on prostitutes. He spent it on parties. He spent it on drinking. He spent it on clubbing. He spent it on so many things that at the end of it, he had no more money left. The Bible alludes to this point. See, the moment that he discovered he had no more money, then a famine comes and sweeps over the land. I want you to pay attention to this, that God is a God of actual timing. God is a God of real timing, meaning this, that God knew for a fact that the moment all his money would finish out, a famine would hit. God sometimes places difficulty so we can see his strength through that situation. You see, there's a time whereby God will provide and there's a time where God will watch you to see you struggle with a decision. Do I have somebody in this room? There's a time where God will allow you to struggle with the decision. So he finds himself in this place. He spent all his money. He had nothing left. And then all of a sudden, a great famine. What it means that there's no more food in the land. Nobody's eating. There's a famine in the land. And all of a sudden, this famine pushes him to a place where he says, oh my gosh, I have to look for work. But this is a man, this is the son of a rich man, now has to go and look for work and have to go out and discover where he can work. Now, the Bible begins to say that he didn't go and look for the best hotel in town to work at. He didn't look for the best office in town to look at. The only job that would suit his, his capabilities and his experience was the job of feeding the pigs. So he goes to a local farmer, and this is where we pick up the scripture. The Bible says he goes to a local farmer, and as he gets to that local farmer, the local farmer allows him to now go with the pigs, and all of a sudden he sees all the food that the pig is eating, and now it's appetizing onto him. I want you to write this down. We're going to zoom into the scripture and then zoom real quick out. Number one, the devil takes advantage of us as believers most when, number one, we are tired. When you are tired. 
The devil will come like a crazy, crazy, crazy windstorm. He will come and mess up your whole life primarily. And pay attention to that when you are actually tired. That's when the devil will come in. Because a lot of times it's like, you know what? I was tired, so I just slipped into it. I was, I was, I was tired. I was just, I was down. I was tired, so I just decided. I was either emotionally tired. I was physically tired. So I just allowed a situation to get the best of me, number one. Number two, the devil takes advantage of you most when you're bored. Am I telling the truth? This is not a lecture. We can actually have a conversation. Am I telling the truth? Are you sure? The devil takes advantage of us when we are bored. You have nothing that you're doing. Summertime ain't nothing you're doing. How's summer? Boring. What do you mean? Summer can't be boring. Why? God has given you an opportunity to have four months to be able to work, four months to be able to put plans together so that your fall time would be better. Summertime is a season of sowing, so that fall time is a season of reaping. So when you are bored, that is one of the most craziest times that the enemy comes and he comes to distract you. Why? Because you have nothing going on. So because you're bored, it's like, listen, I, I can entertain this situation because I have nothing else that I'm entertaining. Number two. Number three, and pay attention to this. The devil comes to attack you. Number one, when you're tired. Number two, when you're bored. Number three, when you are hungry. It's practical. When you're hungry. Now, what is hunger? Hunger is the absence of food. Hunger basically has side effects. And the side effects of hunger is what? Is lightheadedness. Side effects of hunger is dizziness. Side effects of hunger is that you begin to see things in a way that is not actually the way they're actually supposed to appear. You become dizzy, you become weak. So you give in to a lot of things that you normally wouldn't give in to because you are in a state of hunger. Do you realize that when you're hungry, even something that you wouldn't normally eat is super appetizing? <laughs> you can talk to me. It, 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 something you wouldn't normally eat is super appetizing. It's like, <laughs> you, you, you don't, you don't, <laughs> you, <laughs> someone's hungry, he's like, what am I eating tonight? Like, God. Pastor's talking about food. I'm what are we eating tonight? This is not the time to make plans for after service. It's like, it's like you, know, you know for a fact, man, I do not like apples. Like, this is not something that I like. But because you are hungry, it forces you to be able to do something you normally wouldn't do. This is exactly what happens to the prodigal son. The Bible said he's so hungry that even looking at the pig's food is appetizing unto him. Looking at something you normally wouldn't eat is not appetizing onto you. I wonder how many times we come out of the presence of God and we begin to now develop appetites that are unhealthy. We begin to develop appetites that are not unworthy, that are appetites that are not unto God. I want you to get this. The prodigal son would be hungry even if he was at home, meaning that our appetite doesn't change based off of where we are positioned. Get this. But it is where we are that determines what will quench our appetite. Okay, let me say this again. That if the prodigal son was at home, he would still have an appetite and he'll still be hungry. But the thing about it is not, it's not where you are positioned. It's not where you are. 
but it's when you get to a place, uh, uh, rather, let me, let me rephrase that, that the appetite, your appetite doesn't change based off of where you are positioned, rather, but where we are determines what will quench our appetite. Let me give you an example. You were younger. When I was younger, my mom would always cook at home, but the moment we left home and I saw McDonald's, I became hungry. Does anybody, can anybody attest to that? I want to teach tonight. I'm not trying to preach. Can anybody attest to what, we're, to what I'm saying? It's like you're at home and, and you, you can even be hungry at home, but because the food is there, you're not trying to eat the home food. And so you wait till you leave the house so then you can ask your mom, McDonald's. The big M. I used to, I used to tell my mom when I was younger, we'd leave the house and I'm starving, but there's only rice at home. I don't want rice. There's rice and shit at home. I don't want rice and shit all. I don't want rice. I don't want white rice. I want McDonald's. I want a Big Mac. That's what I want. I want a McChicken. That's what I want. That's what I want. And so uh, I, I, would, I would pretend like I had no appetite when I was at home. And then the moment I left my house, it's like, Mom, I'm hungry. Mom, I need McDonald's. She'd be coffee. I just left home. I cooked rice, a whole pot of rice. You didn't eat it. Now that you're living in the home, now you want McDonald's. That's the same way it is with us the bible says it and this is what god was beginning to tell me this uh that 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 when you talk about appetite it's not based off of where you're positioned but where you are determines what will quench your appetite it's not that there wasn't food at home it's that i wanted a specific food to quench that desire man someone got are you following me tonight it's not that i wasn't hungry at home it's that there was a specific type of food that i wanted to quench my desire let me give you an example Many of us in this place uh, uh, may desire a specific type of love or attention because maybe in life we fail to receive that type of attention. So when we come to church, that's an appetite that's within us. It's an appetite and a desire, a hunger to want to get the attention of the Father. But instead of, of, of manifesting our appetite within church, we conceal our appetite in church. And the moment we step outside the doors, then we release it. Then anybody that comes has access to you. It's not about where you have the appetite. It's about your desire and what you want to quench that desire. So, uh, or quench that, that appetite. So get what? That, that you wouldn't normally smoke. But because you are in an environment, it brings out that behavior in you. That the food looks so good. How does the pig food look good to a son of a king? He's used to having gourmet. How, how, was the, how was the pig's food now so appetizing unto him? It's the same hunger that he had in the house, but now because of where he's positioned, because of his hunger, it allowed him to see something differently. If you have wrongly channeled hunger, it allows you to see things in a way you shouldn't actually see them. So you have the appetite. I'm going deep tonight. I'm deep diving tonight. So you have the appetite here, but your appetite is concealed. You don't want your appetite to come up. I'm hungry. I'm hungry on the inside, but you don't want your hunger to be displayed here. You wait to you go out there and then you let your hunger come out so I gave you the example of when I was younger I'd be hungry at home but the moment I left the house then I'm super hungry mom I'm, I'm just pulling on my mom and God is telling the church tonight God is saying this if you can now develop a hunger within here that the moment you have and taste good food in here you don't need to sell everything and go out there to get something everything you need is found in God everything you need is found in God what is hunger hunger is a need last time I checked my Bible Philippians Philippians told me this 419 says that my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus so based off of that I have a question for you what 
are you hungry for? What are you hungry for? What, what, what? Are, you hungry? are you hungry for a position? Are you hungry for a job? Are you hungry for a deeper level of spiritual insight? Are you hungry? What are you hungry for? What are you, what, what starves you? What in the spiritual realm is like, if without this thing quenching it, nothing else can. What gives you that itch that's like, God, you have to quench this thing. God, you have to take this thing. Because if you really look at it, all the sins that we do have deeper rooted issues. God, I want you to quench this thing. God, I need you to quench this thing. I want somebody to shout out in this atmosphere and say, God, quench my thirst. Come on, say again. Say, God, quench my thirst. Come on, give God some praise right there. I want to help some people before I go. I want to help some people before I go. You see, the prodigal son didn't come back home because he was bored. Because he was tired. I mean, he ran out of money, but he still didn't decide to go home. The only thing that made him even question trying to go home was the fact that he was hungry. At that point, then he had what we find here in Luke 15, verses 17. Let's go to 17. We're going to wrap this up. Yeah, you can help me on the keys. Luke 15, verses 17. I'm going to say a few things. We'll be out of here. Can you read this with me? Let's read it. One, two, three, and go. No, let's stop right here. I'll pick up verses 20 in a second. Let's read this one more time. One, two, three, and go. The man, the boy, enters into this place, Pastor Shane, of a spiritual awakening. Where the Bible says that he begins to come to his senses. Now, I'm not preaching on coming to yourself. But I'm going to camp here and, and say a few things. What are you yet to come to? I want you to ask some reflective questions because many times we want to come to church and we want to get hyped up and we want to get pumped up, but I'm not a motivational speaker. I want to speak to your spirit. I want to speak to where you are going in the future. Many of us in this room, we have the propensity to be able to be the prime ministers of this nation. Many of us in this room have the ability to be billionaires, to be moguls, to be controlling so many sums of money, to be controlling business transactions in and out of the nations. Some of us have that propensity, but the reason why we have not tapped into that level is because we are coming to church waiting to be pumped up but we don't want to be taught on how to position ourselves and so the teaching what it does is that it repositions you so that you can align yourself with the desires of the spirit and the desires of christ so the bible says here and picks up in luke 15 verses 19 it says the son now comes to himself and says wow i've been living this specific way but even even the hired servants in my dad's house have food to eat and here i am and the only thing that is letting me have a rise is the food from the pig's pen and he begins to say listen i can't live this way anymore he comes to a spiritual awakening do you know what that's doing in that situation right there he broke his amen <laughs> clap for the keys player come on clap for him yeah he wanted to let us know he's here he's here he's here 
The Bible says this, and I'm wrapping up right here. The Bible says that he begins to come to himself. What does that process look like? That process looks like, God, I'm allowing my spirit to now break out, and I'm breaking the mold of my soul. Last week, we spoke of breaking the mold of our souls. So in this scripture, you have to understand that this boy, we can kind of conclude that he was kind of proud. He wanted to do it by himself. He wanted to make all the decisions by himself. He wanted to take the money that wasn't even due him at that season and go and spend it on something that wasn't worthwhile. He gets to the point where he spends it and all he can desire is something that he's not supposed to be desiring. The pig's food is not food for humans, but you begin to consume things that are not meant for your spirit because of your position, because you're so hungry, because you're deprived of the spirit. You only desire things of the flesh when you deprive yourself from things of the spirit. So now he's hungry for the things of the soul. Are you hungry for things of the soul or things of the spirit? What makes your spirit hungry? If you don't have a hunger of your spirit, it means you've starved your spirit that you can't even smell the aroma of good cooked food. So you don't know if it's a good sermon, is a bad sermon. I don't know. He didn't scream, so I don't know if it's good or not. When the spirit of the Lord is here, the spirit of the Lord is here to speak to our spirits because we are spirits. I spoke two weeks ago and I said that you are born of a spirit. So now you are a son. Your identity is that of a spiritual nature. So the reason why you can't send spiritual things like I don't know if God is here, if God is not here. I don't know how to raise my hands. I don't know why people are doing this is because you are of the soulless realm. Why? Because you've deprived your spirit. It's not that you don't have a spirit. It's that you're not feeding your spirit. So what you know what we need to do? We have to begin to desire our appetite of the spirit. Our spiritual appetite needs to now become huge. It needs to now become great to the point whereby we hunger for the things of God. You see what happened to this boy in the Bible is that all of a sudden he said he was taking in so much soul, so much soul, so much soul to the point whereby his cup for his soul became full. The cup of his soul, the money he spent, it appeased his body. The money he spent appeased his will. The money he spent appeased his intellect. It appeased his desires. But he realized after some time that what good is it if I lose my soul but I gain the world. He realized that I've gained the world but after I've smoked all the weed I can smoke. After I've done all the girls I can do. After I've slept everywhere that I can sleep. I've realized that my soul is full but yet my spirit is now starved. So now he begins to realize and have a spiritual awakening. And now he begins to say, I need to feed my spirit. Tap somebody, say, feed your spirit. Say, feed your spirit. Say, feed your spirit. Come on. Tap them, say, feed your spirit. Feed your spirit. Feed your spirit. Feed your spirit. He gets to the spiritual awakening and he says, I need to feed my spirit now. Why? Because my soul has become so big that I can't even feel things of the spirit anymore. So now when I go to church, I don't know if the worship is good or not. I don't know if this is true worship or not. I can't tell if it's a genuine prophet or not. I can't tell if it's sound teaching or not. I don't have any good intentions. I can't feel. I have no inclination on the inside of me. My discernment is no more because discernment is a gift of the so I don't know if this guy is for me. I don't know if this is the lady I should marry. I don't know if this is the place that I should go. I don't know if this is this program I should do. I don't know if this is the job that I should do. Why? Because as a generation, we have starved our spirit and we have fed our soul. So this boy in the Bible says, listen, I've been feeding my spirit and feeding my spirit on the spirit. I don't want to be in the spirit. 
So all of a sudden, some demonic rebellion comes up on the inside of him. And he says, you know what? Forget about all, the, all this stuff. I got that. I want everything now. I'm going out. He takes it all. He feeds his soul. He starves his spirit. But then after all this time, after he spent all his money, please be seated. The Bible says after he spent all his money, after he's done everything he could do, after he smoked all the smoke, after he smoked to the point where he's a chimney, after he's done all this stuff, <laughs> After you've gotten all the degrees that you can get. After you've gotten the job that you can get. After you've gotten to that level of success. You've fed your soul. But you've starved your spirit. So you become an intellectual Christian. Not a spirit-led Christian. But tonight there are spirit-led Christians being birthed in this place tonight. I mean, there are spirit-led Christians in this house tonight. Now I feel like preaching. I, feel, I said there are spirit-led Christians in this house tonight. And so he gets to this point, church, that his soul is so full that he's like, no. The way I was raised, there's no way, because he begins to allude to the fact that in my father's house. You see, the funny thing about it is that even though you're sinning, you still know where your father's house is. Even though he's in the clubs, he still knows where. Some of us in this place, we were sinning, but we still had church on the inside of us. I remember one time, oh no, I shouldn't share that testimony. Okay, there was one time, don't tell anybody, eh? <laughs> you see, oh no, that's too much. Ah. Okay, there was one time, you know, <laughs> that I was with somebody and intimacy just crept into the room, okay? And, and, <laughs> from any, I don't know where it came from, the window or something, it just crept in the room. So as intimacy crept into the room, the intimacy was going on and, and all I could think of is we give you all the glory I don't know about somebody in this room <laughs> we worship you I'm like why am I trying to do bad but I just keep hearing good in my that's because it doesn't matter how far you go when you know where you are from when you know how you are raised when you know that in my father's house there are many servants in my father's house there are many hired servants you know that this is not the way i should live you know this is not the food that i should eat even in the world you know that's not good you know i'm telling the truth be seated i'm done soon Even in the world, you know what? Because there is, there is a radar in your spirit. There is a beep, 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 beep. And that's what happened to this young man. An alarm went off in his spirit that said, you've filled up on your soul. And you know the funny thing about it is this. Saleh is this. It's, it's great. And, and I said this earlier on. Is that he was forced to that point. The Bible says that he spent his money. Yeah, he could have made more. But the Bible begins to say that famine fell upon the land. You know why? Because when there's a call upon your life, 
when there's destiny and greatness on your life, sometimes there needs to be a famine of drought. Why? So that your secret sins can be burned away. So that God can pull you back to where you need to be. He wasn't even thinking of a spiritual awakening. But as the famine went on, it forced him, just like Jeremiah said, I don't know why I woke up today, but I find myself in the potter's house. The Bible says that he found himself working and he sees the pigs and he's now desiring what the pigs are eating. How can you desire something that is contrary onto you? How could you be a man and you're desiring things you shouldn't desire? How could you be living like this and you're you're a believer, but you're desiring things of the flat? Why are you desiring things that are not in your nature? It's because his distance away from the palace was so far that he began to forget who he was. But then the Bible alludes to say the alarm went off in his spirit. And he said, enough is enough. Enough is enough. My soul is overflowing, but my spirit is starving. So he begins to now desire a this is where we get to verses 20 and I'm paraphrasing this as I conclude he begins to desire he begins to desire the things he says listen I'm not even I can't even I'm not even worthy of coming back to be a son let me be a servant I don't want to be a son I can't be a son why because I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against my father here on earth and so you know what I, I, I don't deserve it some of us feel so unworthy we're sitting in this in this place this sermon is for somebody and they're feeling so unworthy they're feeling so filthy they're feeling like why can I I can't even come back to church anymore I can't even come back to the place of God anymore why because I feel so dirty and so filthy I don't want to want to be a leader anymore I don't want to be on stage anymore I don't want to serve in ministry anymore I don't even I just watch on live stream now verses 20 so he returned home to his father and while he was still along the way the Bible says this come up here it says his father saw him coming you're gonna walk to me you're gonna be the prodigal son just stay here for a second the Bible says this it says his father saw him coming it says filled with love and compassion some of us don't want to come back to the place in the arms of our father because we feel that God is mad at us but the Bible says that God is filled with love and compassion says as he ran to his son and embraced him and kissed him so as you run stay right here the Bible says stop right there the Bible says the father didn't wait for his son to come to him Bible says the father went out to meet the son some of us feel as though we have to be perfect before we can come to God God is just looking for your brokenness to say I don't know everything so I'm coming to you the moment that you make that step and you come to God your step make one step activate his step one step activate his step one step activate his step before you know it you're in the arms of the father but God won't move in as much as you don't move. So as you begin to make strides towards God, God begins to make strides towards you. So the father comes, you know the story, I'm gonna read it uh, from here, just the end of it. Let's be on our feet tonight. Thank you so much, John.
Bible says this, verses 20 onwards. <laughs> As the father embraced him, verses 21 says this, his son said to him, Dad, I've sinned against you, both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robes in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger, sandals for his feet, and kill a calf, weaving fattening in the pen. We must celebrate with the feast, for son, this son of mine was dead, and now has returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. I'm not going to focus on the significance of all the rings and all that stuff. I'm interested in one thing that happened as I wrap up tonight. Is that many of us, the moment we make that stride towards God and we get to the, the embrace of God, as God is trying to love on us, we're trying to explain to him. He already knows you're broken. You don't need to say anything. He already knows that you failed him. You don't need to say anything. He knew you were going to fail him as he was creating you. He already knows what you are going to do, what you've done, and what you are going to do in the future. The Bible says that as he's trying to explain himself, the father's busy trying to make preparations for the party. He's busy trying to cover him because you can tell that he'd probably been smelling and stinking at that time, being with all the pigs. That he said, let me find the best clothes that I can so that people will know that as he begins to walk back into the palace, that he's a son and not a servant. That he's not a slave, but he's a son. So he brings him the sandals, brings him the ring, and brings him the robe so that his nakedness is covered. That the smell is now back on him. The smell of a son. God tonight is now trying to put back on the fragrance upon you to be a fragrance of a son and a daughter. That's what God's trying to do tonight. God is trying to restore back your sonship and your identity in Christ. Why don't you raise your hands in this place? If you got nothing from what I said tonight, I want you to get this. That everybody gets to the point in their life where you cap in the soul that your spirit is crying and desiring to be fed many of us in this room tonight are going to return back to feeding our spirits we're going to return back to taking intakes into our spirit feeding our our spirit so that our spirit begins to influence our flesh our spirit influences our decisions our spirit influences our soul we are getting to the point whereby we are now influenced we're now spirit-led christians by the time we finish this series in august and we start the new year in september we are going to be such a spiritual church Spiritual church, a lot of people think a spiritual church is a church that just fasts and pray. That's great, and it's in addition to that. But a spirit-led church is also a spirit, a church that is saying we are listening to the voice of God. Whatever God says do, we do. But you can only get to that level when you begin to reduce your soul. That's the only way 
that your spirit takes control. The only way that your spirit now influences your soul. And there's one way that our spirit gives way as our soul is diminished. It's one term and it's called brokenness. Brokenness is how our soul is diminished while our lives are led by the spirit. Now in this moment, in this season, in this atmosphere, in this minute, I want you to pray out to God, specific prayer. And it's a prayer of brokenness. And it's a prayer to say, God, I'm submitting myself, my will, my intentions to you. I'm submitting everything I have to you. I'm submitting myself to you. I'm submitting. Just like the prodigal son came to that moment of, I've come to my senses. God, pray this prayer that God, I want to come to my senses tonight. Coming to your senses means that you're not living the way you were designed to live. God, I'm coming back to my identity as a son. I'm coming back to my identity as a daughter. I'm coming back to my identity as a believer. God. Thank you for tuning in to the Campus Rush Podcast. If you enjoyed this message and want to partner with us, visit us at www.campusrush.org to become a global partner or to partner with us in giving.